Fulton Family Podcast. My name is Chase. Today we have Sreyas, Sam, and Topher joining us today. Jake was not able to make it because, you know, he has his little conflicting history with Nebraska, and we didn't want him to be giving a biased take or anything like that. Uh, but let it be known that I'm recording from my honeymoon. So if there's ever a question about commitment, just know that Jake is too busy cheering for Nebraska while I'm out here recording um, in the yeah. middle of the wilderness. So with that being yeah, good said, priorities. Good priorities. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that being said, what a week uh, for the University of Colorado. What a week. What a what a vindicating week on a national stage. Um, I will give Jake a shout out because he asked us to, um, not because I necessarily think he deserves it, but he was the only person in the group to, p- to pick Colorado to pick, uh, or excuse me, to pick Colorado to beat DCU this week. So I'll give him a shout out there. I will um, later remind everyone who he picked in next week's game. Um, but before we get onto that, we had a special correspondent out in the field. Um, Sreyas, you went out to TCU with your parents. What was that like? What was the uh, atmosphere? Are they as, as friendly as they seem to be online? That that was – so I, I think I said this in my post-game reaction that we put up on Twitter, but or X, sorry, put it up on X. That – I'm a baseball guy first, and I'll always be a baseball guy first, but that was the best sporting event I've ever attended in my life. That – just the emotion of it. And the the like the back and forth seesaw there, just everything, every aspect of it. Uh, being being there with my parents, who are also Colorado alum, and getting to share that moment with them is you know they're getting they're getting older and it's getting tougher for them to do this type of thing. It was just something that I'll I'll keep with me for the rest of my life. It was it was incredible. But so there there are a number of things that we should talk about. One was the oppressive heat that was brutal. I've, I've been at many day games at Folsom in the late summer, early fall, and it gets rough at Folsom, but that was what I've never experienced anything like that before. It was, I think, but towards the end of the game, it got up basically into the high nineties and may have even dipped into the hundreds right after the end of the game. Um, it was not as dry as it is in Denver, but it was, it was pretty dry. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And when you, when you contextualize that oppressive weather to what we saw on the field, it adds even more flavor to what Travis, specifically Travis Hunter did. My goodness, he played almost every snap on both sides of the ball, guarding the top wide receiver on TCU. By the way, when TCU is running a lot of short passes, a lot of attempts at yards after uh, yards after catch, and then turns around and is guarded by TCU's top DB on, on offense. So he was playing at a high level on both sides. It wasn't that it wasn't just he was sitting out there and not being tested. TCU is also trying, they were intentionally throwing at him. That the the video from the student section where, where the, the fan or the student says, throw it at Travis, throw it, throw it at Hunter. And then immediately he gets the pick. Just unbelievably impressive performance there. And then what can we say about the rest of the offense? Just outrageous, you know, over a hundred yards for Jimmy Horn, over a hundred yards for X. And then huge game, four touchdowns from Dylan Edwards. Absolutely unbelievable offensive performance. I think easily the best offensive performance all around against the best team, like in terms of playing the best team that I've seen as a, as a Colorado fan, I believe 
and and Shadur broke all sorts of school records. It was just an absolutely amazing uh, experience. And then the final comment I'll say before I hand it off to to Sam is the TCU fans were actually wine and cheese fans. I thought. Um, so I was on the west side with a, a number with a, a large number of CU fans. So take that into account. But there were there were a lot of of TCU fans there too, and they were just like doing the thing that that you know casual baseball fans will do at Coors Field, like just cheering for the plays or just cheering when the jumbotron's going, and otherwise mostly just sitting there watching. And maybe part of it was stunned silence because they weren't expecting that game to be competitive, but. Overall, the environment on the west side of the stadium, at least I think it was the west side. Um, I'm, I'm disoriented when I can't see mountains. <laughs> uh, it was, it's not, it, wasn't, it wasn't a crazy, rabid environment. And that just played super well for the CU fans because at the end of the game, coming down the, the ramp was just, it was a coronation, right? There was just nothing but fight songs and CU chants and Deion Sanders chants just CU fans completely took over Fort Worth that day. It was a, a wonderful thing that I will never, ever, ever forget for the rest of my life. I'm so glad I was there. Yeah, it, it was truly amazing to watch on TV, to watch CU win a big game, not because they got lucky and not because the other team sucked. It was because CU simply played better. They had better talent and they deserved to win. Like I'm looking back at the... Like the quarterback performance from Shadur Sanders is probably one of the best performances, if not the best performance by a CU quarterback ever. Last year, our starting quarterback in TCU had 78 yards in the entire game. Yes. Like watching a watching quarterback that can get the ball in and out of his hands as quickly as he could, and also in a system that's meant to move fast. It's mind-boggling. I was talking to my dad about this, how we CU's not had an offensive coordinator that wants to go at this pace and risk run teams out of the stadium up at altitude. And now with his talent, like they're going to put up like 50 points in a lot of games this year, just by going up tempo. And I also want to apologize for my pick in this game, because I had the worst take that they were going to not even cover the spread. So I'd like to apologize to coach prime who I know is listening. I'd like to apologize to every member of the Sanders family. I want to apologize to Jared Polis, I want to apologize <laughs> to every member of the state of Colorado. And, uh, like, yeah, that was my big takeaway. And also Travis Hunter, man, like watching him is insane. I, I had the take of this at the beginning of the season that he was going to be CU's leading wide receiver because he wanted the ball so much. And I think he, oh, he was over delivered even that, like he, he played more phases of the game than I thought he was on field goal block. They had him on field goal block for seven snaps. They're like, what? Like, like, I, I'm not sure if I agree, agree with that. Like, you don't need seven of his snaps to be on special teams. But just watching CU play and be resilient, even when they got up for 14, like when they got up by a lot and the TCU came back and went ahead. And I was like, oh, like, ah, it's, it's buff shit. Like, CU's going to lose it now. They just came back and they didn't. And they were resilient and they really embodied what Coach Prime's been talking about the last couple of months. 100 percent and and let's not let's not lose sight of that 510 passing yards that is obscene right like that is not the, the i i honestly i know this is not accurate but if you told me that that was more than we had cumulative passing yards last season 
I would probably almost believe it. Like that is insane how different night and day this is. And I think Sean Lewis deserves a lot of credit, right? He knows the offense he was building and it's, it's kind of similar to the offense he had in the Mac, but he has way more talent, right? So he can run this insanely fast paced, very talented, 510 yards, four touchdowns offense. And, you know, Dylan Edwards is everything that we thought he might be. And, and maybe even more, right? The kid is a true freshman. He's what, 19 years old. And he looks amazing. He's exactly the kind of guy that you want in the NFL. He's a catching back. He's awesome, right? So I thought that was really, really impressive. Um, I will say I caught a lot of flack for this on Twitter when I thought I was going to be able to record. Our the, the biggest area of concern for me is the defensive line and the interior linebackers. I think we got bullied to an extent. I've seen some things about, you know, obviously that's TCU's bread and butter. So it's a really good team. I'm not taking anything away from that, right? And they got tired. It was hot. Like Sreya said, it's 100 degrees. It is tough to play defensive line against a run-first team like TCU for that long and that kind of heat. I get it. But that being said, you know, teams are going to run on us. And I, I think, I, you know, my, my great take from our, our prediction episode was that this this game was going to turn into a track meet. And I was right. You know, like that's, that's – and maybe those are the games that C is just going to play. Maybe we play like Oregon did, you know, six years ago where – you're going to lose some games, but you're going to light up the scoreboard and it's just going to be a track meet every game. So overall, I thought, I mean, it's unbelievable how much better this team is. And, and it's what an exciting time um, and, and what a great game. To Strace's point, I would argue that the Nebraska game where we had the flea flicker touchdown is probably the best sporting event I've ever been to. I understand how this could be an even better game. You know, like this is so vindicating that we got to shut up all the haters, you know, like to, to, to come out there and just present. And, and, you know, classically, right, everyone's like, Oh, TCU is not as good. And we end up walloping Nebraska, and I'm I'm comfortable, ready to say it. You know, knock on wood. When we murder Nebraska next week, people are gonna say, "Oh, Nebraska's terrible. They lost Minnesota, right?" And, and we'll just keep proving it because this team doesn't care, right? Like they believe, and that's enough. And frankly, you know, you I think everyone in this podcast now 100% believes the sky's the limit for this team. We could beat anyone. I know I was really pessimistic about beating USC. We could beat anyone. We could beat USC. USC's defense is going to be in fits. So. I don't want to get completely carried away, but um, Topher, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so I agree. This team came out and they shut people up, um, and that was awesome. And I don't want to use the term unbelievable just because I want to take the uh, persona of Coach Prime that I believe, and I did believe, for the record, when you guys said Jake was the only one that had TCU, uh, us beating TCU, I called a three-point victory for the Buffs. I said 37-34, but three-point win for the Buffs. Um, and and a delivered. quick caveat to that, we were we were dumpstered at the uh, Dark Horse Bar when he made this prediction. So I don't know how genuine it was versus uh, that doesn't uh, that doesn't count. Speaking, drunk, but, but he, drunk words, drunk did, words at the downer. He do not did count. call. He did call a three point win. So credit where credits. Um, but the one thing that I want to take away from this Buffs team is holy moly, do they play with heart, right? Um, when TCU took the lead, I remember this scared feeling I had in my chest, like, oh no. Oh no, here it comes. Not like this, not like this. And then Shador just scored again, like it was nothing. And it, it just, the, the culture shift that it takes to seismically change the direction of a football team cannot be overstated. And the fact that there was just no, no heads hang. Um, no, no one got down when we, when we came, when they came back and scored, when we gave up the long kick return, that, that is a team that has a lot of grit and you will win games that you are outmatched in with grit. Um, and that's something that's proven in college football over and over again. Even 
the that great 2016 team, it felt like maybe that Oregon game where we went to Autzen and beat what turned out to be a pretty bad Oregon team. That was a pretty good example of perseverance. And I will say, you know, not to not to derail too much and talk about 2016, but I do feel like part of that game was having the shock of Steven Montez coming in and Oregon not having properly game planned for him and Steven Montez just running wild and going crazy. But other than that Oregon game, I never felt like there was a Buffs team that year that had their backs up against, or there was a game where the Buffs that season had their backs so far up against the wall like they did multiple times in that game on Saturday. It felt like because TCU was so dominant on the line of scrimmage on their offensive side of the ball, that they could essentially dictate their own offensive possessions however they wanted. Imani Bailey went crazy. He had 164 yards on 14 carries, right? That's a that's a almost 12, 12 yards per carry average. And that was some of those runs were just bullying runs where frankly he was barely touched and just completely ran over our defense and got huge chunk plays. To typically the CU teams that I've seen, actually just teams in general that get bullied that badly on the line of scrimmage, eventually that will break them and they won't be able to continue punching back and answering every single time to keep the game, especially on the road against a, a very, very good team in TCU. And a lot of people have been pointing towards the fact that TCU had a lot of poor missed tackles, a lot of poor tackling in that game. I think part of that is the skill of our wide receivers, our receivers. And then also Sean, Sean Lewis's offense, putting them in a position to get significant chunks after catch, as long as they broke one tackle. And these guys have speed. That's the, that is the consistent theme amongst Dylan X Jimmy and and Travis Hunter, they all have extreme speed. They're all potentially NFL speed guys. So it makes sense that they broke those tackles. And that is unprecedented for C- in, in my time as a CU fan, having that much talent to be able to completely overcome being dominated on one side of the ball. And that just really bodes well. Uh, moving forward, in my opinion. And I'm sure you guys have some more thoughts on the defensive line as well. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said about the tack- the tackling issues in the TCU secondary, it also helps that TCU has uh, some former buffs from our downer years um, playing back there that, uh, you know, like to talk some trash on Twitter and then um, just decide to block you once they lose. So it's good they have some uh, some outstanding outstanding people back there to help not push Dylan Edwards out of bounds. Um, that was great to have. Um, but the biggest thing for me, going back to what Topher said a couple minutes ago, um, about the, the culture shift that you saw when Dylan Edwards fumbled the ball in the first half, he was down. And I I can see in my head what Carl Durrell would do. Carl Durrell would have just like gotten to his little like turtle shell and just like stared off into the distance and just let Dylan go by. The coach probably grabbed him and like was talking to him, was hyping him back up. And then four touchdowns later, we win the game. Or at halftime, he's hyping up his players. He's not talking about what he did. He's talk, He's hyping up the people around him. And I I was just so impressed with his game management skills, like the skills that he 
that I had never seen before from him because obviously the, the recruiting is there, but I was kind of worried like how good of an in game coach is he going to be? And he blew like that was one of the most impressive aspects for me was his in game coaching of the team. Absolutely. Um, speaking of Mark Perry, uh, I have a funny story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who? <laughs> um, back when he played, I think it was his freshman year. Uh, I distinctly remember one game where he took he took a bad angle, he missed a tackle, and then he blew a coverage in three plays right in a row. And I t- live tweeted and I was like, Mike Perry, Mark Perry's not ready for Division One football. And it got one like, and it was Mark Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Petty presidential MP. Oh my gosh. Uh, but... and, and, and honestly, it's just good to have self-awareness. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, he went on to be a pretty dominant safety last year for TSU, TCU. So, like, he definitely learned from it. But I just thought it was so funny that he was out there searching his name after the game to see what people said about him. Yeah, there, there's no second place trophy, though. So. Yeah, and, and, and just one other thing I wanted to point out about the, the game we just watched is I, I think that was the first time that I've actually sat watching a football game and thought, you know, between Dylan Edwards, Shador, Shador Sanders legitimately, truly, quite possibly could be the best quarterback to ever play for Colorado. And I know that's kind of a hot take with Cornell Stewart, but, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking today while I was, you know, on my honeymoon, I was supposed to be thinking about it, but – I, I see the thing. I'm like, you know, what what Travis part of Hunter, your honeymoon was this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I'm uh, I'm sitting there thinking. I'm like, you know, Rashawn Salam is like the goat, right? Like the greatest of all time for for Colorado. But Travis Hunter is legitimately, without a question, in my in my opinion, the best athlete to ever play for Colorado, and quite possibly can go down as the best player ever in Colorado history. Um, and and like, I I don't know if I remember ever. In, in my lifetime, like since I've been born, like watching Colorado games, I've never seen a player where I was like, wow, like this legitimately could be the best NFL player, best college football player Colorado will ever have. So it's, it's just really exciting to see like, you, you know, the hype we've been eating the hype. We've been drinking the Kool-Aid all off season, but you know, Dylan Edwards making these crazy cuts and, and getting loose. Right. Or Shador throwing a ball on an absolute dime. Travis dropped that, that touchdown. That should have been a touchdown, right? Because, he hit him in the hands. That ball was beautiful. So, you know, I'm not going to fault Travis Hunter for that. He, he, he doesn't have to prove anything. Right. But you know, it, it's also easy to forget that Shador should have had one more touchdown, right? That was in his hands. It was a dime. So just what an incredibly talented team. And more importantly, think about the impact this has. People have been talking about how, yeah, prime came in with all of his recruits, but he hasn't been recruiting very well in Colorado. You know, maybe it's been a little bit disappointing here at Colorado. Think about how big, backing up these words is going to be on the recruiting trail for prime, right? This is huge. This is enormous. And you know that it's a big recruiting weekend coming up for Nebraska. I kind of wish Jake was on because he always knows what players are actually taking official visits this weekend, but that's not a small component of this as well, right? Sustaining the success here is backing, you know, you, you, you can talk so much talk, but you also have to walk the walk to sustain success. And they did that this week and they're going to do it again this next week. So, you know, that's really exciting as well. Sreyas. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll point out that you kind of started getting at is the missed opportunities. My goodness. So if we had lost that game, there were so many little missed opportunities that we could point to and say, wow, that, that could have been even bigger. So that Travis Hunter, just beautiful long bomb that he, he caught, but then it popped out when it hit the ground. The Travis Hunter play where he caught the ball, but then he went out of bounds. 
the Travis Hunter play where he caught the jump ball in the end zone. Just And then th- there was an Xavier Weaver play where he uh, accidentally went out of bounds. He, like, just the very tip of his toe went out of bounds and he got called for illegal touching. If you just add all those things up and you still look at the performance that came out of Shadur and that offense – it is it, every team that has CU on the schedule the rest of the year, every defense especially, should be absolutely terrified about what this team can do because they were still trying to figure it out. They were in a really oppressive, hot environment, and they still were incredibly dominant on offense. And I, I'm just – I have no other words other than just shock and awe. Uh, going back to uh, what Chase said about recruiting, um, there was some people were watching what Charles Lester III was liking on Twitter, um, and he liked a tweet that said uh, a lot of these Florida State commits are going to start looking at what Prime's doing and probably going to go to Colorado because, you know, now there's the, – what's the difference between Florida State and Colorado now? We have the talent. We have we have the following. We have the, we have the brand name. Um, so I'm going to call it now. Charles Lester III will flip his commitment, and he will be the next five-star cornerback that's headed towards uh, Colorado. Yeah, right I mean, we should first. also we should see when that tweet was posted because maybe after the Florida State game, people might reconsider that because Florida State looked pretty darn good against um, LSU the other day. But also, uh, this another thing that came to me like this is a brick game. This is the first brick game we've had in a very long time at CU. The last like golden brick game that we had was the Utah game in 2016. So I think like I was looking it up before and like we had like three golden brick games that year. We might have more this year in terms of games that are crucially imp- imp- important to like the the furthering of the CU bus football program. We like this like this is going to be the year where we're going to put a lot more bricks up on that wall cuz I remember going in that hallway in like 2019, 2020 I was like damn, this is depressing. We haven't won a big game in four years. I think that TCU game is going right up there and more are going to follow. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a brick. So but we can't leave the, the TCU talk without talking about some of the things that we saw that definitely need some improvement. And I think I kind of started talking about the defensive line. To be fair to our defensive line, I will point one thing out again for the third time, which is how oppressively hot it was. And in in fairness to them, when it really, really counted, when they really needed that stop at the end of the game, it wasn't just that the defensive line did really well. Jordan Dominic had a huge possession there, but we started blitzing. And we had hardly, if at all, blitzed the whole game. And... I'm starting to think that that may have been an intentional strategy to save some energy because if you blitz every play, then eventually, you know, with how much of PC's offense were short little passes and checkdowns that you, they end up breaking for really long gains, you're just going to completely wear out your defense. Now, I don't know if that's actually why, but it certainly panned out for the best by the end of the game when they did start blitzing and they were getting hurries and, Miles Slusher made that great tackle on fourth down to end the game. So overall, though, we definitely need to see more penetration from that defensive line. They they didn't have a single tackle for, for loss. I didn't I, I don't think they had a QB hurry in the whole game until that final possession either, much less a sack. 
And that is really unsustainable. You're going to, even with an elite uh, defensive backfield like CU has with Travis Hunter and Omarion Cooper was amazing too. He, I don't, I don't think he allowed a catch. I might be wrong, but I don't think he allowed a catch. He was, he was fantastic. That was a really an amazing performance. So, but even with that, you got to get pressure with your front seven. Like that is super, super, super important. So that's definitely something uh, to be desired. And before I hand it off here to, to Chase, man, was that special teams disappointing. There was some oh my brutal, God. brutal, and, you know, Topher, you're a special teams guy even still. That has got to be just devastating. So let's just, let's just quickly walk through, right? So bad snap and then a missed block resulting in a, the easiest block field goal you've ever seen since the spring game, which, yep. by the way, that happened multiple times in the spring game. We've got a flag there. Um, could not, and maybe intentionally kick the ball out of the end zone. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think we have a kicker that can get it there. And that's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Just just awful. Just absolutely awful. And and then, of course, after one of our scores, immediately allow a 90-something yard return all the way down into the inside the 10-yard line for TCU. And then Mark, Mark Vassett, had a couple really bad punts too. There was one that if he hit off the side of his foot that barely made it past midfield. He had a couple good punts too. Yeah. He got one inside the one. That was an amazing, yeah. So that was one amazing punt right there for sure. But he wasn't, he didn't have, he didn't have a game like we'd been hearing about from practice about how Mark Bassett was just a, a weapon that was, you know, other than that one, that, that was very big, right? I don't even know if CU ended up stopping TCU on that possession though. So, uh, they didn't. Uh, that was the pick. That was the pick drive. Oh, it was the it was the pick drive. Man, thank you, Travis, and thank you, Travis. Shout out, Travis Hunter. Also, yeah, we should get a shout out, Trevor. Uh, returning yeah. guy Mel- coming in, balling out. What a what an awesome moment. Thank man. you, Mel Tucker. We, thanks, Mel Tucker. You know, greatest CU coach since uh, since Bill McCartney, really. <laughs> Forever, Buff. So, anyways, that you know, with regard to special teams, though, there was some there were some really concerning moments there, and, and I hope I hope whoever's uh, whoever's in charge of that unit is is really working overtime this week to try to correct that because we just can't have that moving forward. Yeah, but and before Topher absolutely loses his mind about special teams, um, then we'll probably move on after that. But really quickly to to Srace's point, right? You can probably, you know, it's weird to me because everyone was really hot on Chandler Morris. I was pretty hot on Chandler Morris. And then they they lose. And, and I don't think Chandler Morris played poorly. I mean, he had some, some bad interceptions. But our secondary is elite, right? They knew that going in. So it's not surprising that there was turnovers, right? So I don't think Chandler Morris is a bad quarterback by, by any means, right? So I, I think that's total, total BS. But I will say, you know, maybe you can give Chandler Morris some time and still get those, those pickoffs. Trevor or uh, Travis Hunter is just so insane that you know he's going to steal the ball. But I think the the problem that and the reason I said we need to to rush the quarterback more is you know you can't do that against Caleb Williams at USC, right? Like you you just can't give him that much time, right? He's going to pick you apart, and even if Travis Hunter's out there, they're going to light up the scoreboard before you you get the interceptions you need, stuff like that. So I just I, I think you gotta you got to to rush more and and you're right maybe it is maybe it is tactical but i'd like to see them rushing the ball and i don't care what people say on twitter 
but I think I know more than Coach Prime. It's not that at all. It's just, you know, watching the watching the film and, and the feedback. I think generally we need to be a little bit more aggressive there and be okay with the fact that, you know, you're you're maybe gonna, you know, give up some plays um if you do that. But you just can't give the quarterback that much time. Sam? Yeah, I mean, my takeaway, like the one thing that I've realized is like what we saw at the spring game was what we saw at the first game. Like my three main takeaways from the first from the spring game were that Shadur Sanders is elite. Travis Hunter is going to get fed the ball and our special teams are going to be questionable. So those are the three things that were like, wow, that's what the team is going to be. And those all shown through in the game. And I think that gives me a little bit of worry as to if the special teams can improve because it was this poor in the spring game. This is exactly what we all saw when we, when Stray has hopped up a entire grandstand of stands to go sit at the top of the snowy Folsom field and watch our kickers. I'm different, Sam. Yeah, built different, Therese. Built different. Going to to watch a practice. Um, but yeah, that's that. The special teams is going to work. Every CU fan this entire year, the the haunting of losing Cole Becker to Utah, and not having a kicker that can kick the ball out of the end zone at altitude will haunt us the entire year. Um, so that's hopefully not going to be a problem. But I think that that's just. The main thing, I mean, the lines, we know, we already talked about that, but like special teams is just going to be, I think just, it's going to be scary. Yeah. So in the three phases of football, um, if you're well matched up offense and defense, the the deciding factor is going to be special teams. So I would not be surprised if we dropped a couple games uh, to special teams plays this season. Um, But, you know, with that being said, uh, I think Jace Feely is that, that dude. He is absolutely one of the best kickers um, that we've seen as far as leg strength um, at Colorado. I think he has a bigger leg than Cole Becker um, for place kicking, clearly not for kickoffs. Um, we, uh, I have a couple of other notes from the rewatch um, that I, I thought was very important to point out. Um, the whole game, the offense was very disciplined as after the play, they would run the ball directly back to the ref every single time and they would get set. Um, that's, that's a sign of a very disciplined offense. Um, and definitely something that we should commend Sean Lewis for, um, a couple of things on defense. Um, both of the interceptions were example of, um, were example of phenomenal defensive coaching. I, I think some people saw the, uh, film analysis that was tweeted. Um, but, uh, the, the Travis pick. Um, it's two slants coming from the outside and then the running back going to the outside. Um, they identified that we were in man, which we were. Um, so usually what happens is that creates conflict because the linebacker has to run out with the running back and that just creates um, adverse angles. Um, but instead, because we had scouted them and we had talked about this, the moment that both of them started going inside, the inside linebacker picked up the first slant, the inside uh, slot corner picked up the second slant from the outside, and Travis was able to leak off safely and uh, get that pick off. Um, that is a very complex scheme and very tough to teach at any level of football, um, and, we ex- and we executed it flawlessly. And that is on coaching and then um, obviously the athleticism and talent of Travis Hunter. For the Trevor Woods pick, uh, I was even more impressed because that was a lot of scheme and uh, great discipline play by Trevor Woods. So if you look at the start of the play, we're in a too high safety shell. Um, 
And so what Chandler Morris read that as is a cover four and middle of the field open. Um, but the moment the ball is sat, snapped, you can see uh, Shiloh come up and we drop into a cover three, which means the middle of the field is closed. So it was a, it was a simple verticals um, concept. And so his slot receiver was cutting across because he read it as middle of the field open. He thought he was going to come open. He saw that Shiloh came up thinking that he was taking the, taking the hook. And so that's why he threw it. And Trevor Woods was able to just come in, sink in and take that middle of the field um, away. So the fact that both of our picks were not just pure athleticism, um, but also scheme gives me a lot of confidence that moving forward, uh, we will see defensive improvements. Um, I, I, you have to imagine that there's going to be some schemes, some stunts, uh, some blitzes that will help get and generate some pressure to make sure that our defense is going to be all right. And outside of that, um, we just also need to improve our tackling. Uh, I thought our tackling was mid at best. Um, and a lot of that is also uh, pursuit angles, especially from linebackers. It, it just looked a little half step slow on their reads. Um, so we just got to key a little bit better. And I think that um, Nebraska's offense is a little bit easier to key in on because um, you're just not as threatened by Jeff Sims and his arm. And that's, that's what I got. And, and if you don't speak football, basically what <laughs> Topher said is see you good soon be better. <laughs> I'm glad we got at least one awesome. guy that knows ball on this pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So with that being said, we're going to move on to a new segment. Uh, we're going to, I'm making a new rule for it. So just to give you guys a heads up, but we're going to move on into the Q wealth management player of the game. Um, go to qwealthmanagement.com to learn more about our newest sponsor. So we're officially official. Um, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and say that for the player of the game, you cannot use uh, any, we can't reuse any players. So, um, you know, whatever is already taken, you cannot go with. I think this game had at least three, like, pretty clear could have been players of the game for Colorado, so it's probably not as hard this time. Um, but we can we, we can go ahead and start uh, with that now. So I'm going to go ahead and go first because I'm I'm such a giving guy. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and take uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Shadur Sanders. Um, I think, uh, you know, setting records um, galore, uh, the four touchdowns, over 500 yards passing – that is insane. I thought he was maybe going to run more. I know everyone said he's not a running quarterback. I still think he's going to run more because this offense is just built for a quarterback getting loose. Um, and, and he's shown that he can do it. But 500, 510 yards, I think is what I, I said earlier, is insanity. Um, so he's my player of the game. All right. I'm going to take the second pick. Just uh, commandeer it from anybody else that is going to speak next. I'm going to take Travis Hunter, who like, single-handedly, I think, like, underappreciated on that drive that he got the interception. He also chased down the running back and tackled him before he scored the touchdown, like four plays earlier. So he saved a touchdown twice and he almost had another interception that he unfortunately couldn't hold on to, but just the performance that he put in on during all three phases was, I don't know. I, I mean, I just have to believe, I guess it, it it's sustainable. It has to be sustainable if he's, he was dancing in the locker room. He said on his his uh, live stream yesterday that he could have played a whole another game, and like yeah, even like even sanity, even like Sonny Dykes, like the the TCU coach after the game was like calling out his own strength and conditioning coach, saying like if Travis Hunter can like our guys were gassed, and Travis Hunter's playing the whole game, and our guys are might have been a little bit of like trying to get rid of the blame from himself and blaming his team's um, nice conditioning. What a coward! What a Good coward! Job, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a uh, Travis Hunter. All right, Topher, you're the guest. You go. Um, 
I will take a surprising pick and give me Jimmy Horn Jr. Because he had sneakily one of the best games a wide receiver has had at Colorado for a very long time, um, over 100 yards. Um, he even dropped uh, that long bomb that was on his fingertips, and I don't think he drops that again going forward. Um, he showed elite, elite route running um, on his touchdown. He had that safety spinning in spin cycles, cooked his uh, – just did every, anything he wanted to him. So I expect Jimmy Horn Jr. to continue to be this dominant force and look for him to have a multiple touchdown game here in the future. Gave him the Jawan Winfrey on Jack Jones treatment. The Jawan Winfrey highlight that kept him in the NFL for four years. I think he's still in the isn't he? Still, I think he's still he's, he's a free he agent the, right now. Did he make he didn't make the cut, I don't think. For, yeah, he's a free agent right now. Okay. So he's still, I, I know he's, he's with still, the Colts. I would love the Rams to pick him up just for fun. Oh, he's on the practice squad for the Colts. So he's still in the yeah, NFL. He's still there. Just off that, of that game. one double move. That man, that double move. <laughs> Man, nasty. you guys made this easy for me, though. I got to take Dylan Edwards. That's obvious. Four Obviously. Touchdowns in his four, four, four touchdowns in his very, very first game as a. But how much? Athlete. How much? But, sorry, how much defense did he play? Uh, I mean, t- Travis. Zero Travis, snaps of defense. Hey, if Travis was available at number two, I probably would have taken Travis. <laughs> so I'm not going to fault you for that pick. Man, there, we're an embarrassment of riches. None of us even took X, who had a huge catch. To move things forward and had over 100 yards. Just what? And then, you know what? He didn't have the biggest statistical game, but we got to give some love to Savion Wilkerson for some hard nosed running, including that awesome touchdown run right after Travis Hunter drew that, um, that pass interference in the, on that jump ball in the end zone. And of course the highlight that's, that's really making everyone jump out of their feet. There was the pancake block. That was pretty epic by uh, uh, Bishop Thomas, who checked in as a fullback. That just shows you all you need to know about Sean Lewis. That guy is a savant. He hasn't figured out just putting in, you know, defensive tackles in at fullback to, to just blow up defenders. Clear and away. We got, we got a, we got a shout out Mark Perry for, making a business decision there and not going in for the tackle. So he thanks, pulled the Cam you know, Newton. Th- thanks. Uh, you know, thanks to a former buff there for, for helping get that score. But yeah, shout out to uh, Savion Wilkerson, who was a, a huge contributor on JSU last year and then came, came to you as a late signee. So great job there. And then also he didn't, again, another game where it wasn't huge statistically, but you got to look at that, huge third down conversion to Mikey Harrison in the first quarter on the very first. Oh my God. Yeah. That's championship level effort. Double spin move to, and just to, to get the third and long, that was huge. And I expect him to have at least one very, very big game this year. And he's going to show up and make us all proud for sure. Is he still a walk on man? That guy is really good. I hope, I hope he's uh, I hope he's on scholarship. If not now, uh, very soon. And I, I gotta say, Sreyas uh, gave his player the game and then picked like ten more. So I don't know if that's really fair, but oh, I no, just want to point out one insane, one insane statistic about that game is Dylan Edwards receiving. Right, Dylan Edwards, the running back, receiving averaged twenty-seven yards per catch. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, Chase, you're being dramatic because he had one catch of 75 yards, which is incredible. But even if you remove that seventy-five yard catch. 
he still averaged 15 yards per pass, which for a, a running back, which is normally like your outlet pass, you know, option, that is insane, right? That just shows how how slippery he is, how special he is. 15 yard average for a running back, that that's Looney Tunes. And only Xavier Weaver had more, uh, you know, a higher average per catch. So I just think that is like absolutely insanity and deserves a shout out. And since Sirius didn't want to back up his boy, I thought I'd go ahead and hop in. Sam, any last thoughts on uh, the TCU game? Yeah, just going going back really quickly to what Sirius said about Mark Perry. It's just clear he's too busy blocking on Twitter to care about getting off of blocks in the games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sadly, we can't see we can't see his cryptic tweets anymore because he blocked our podcast on Twitter. Um, but yeah, just that was like a the, hilarious the that... realization because <laughs> I was looking for him and I was like, wait, where yeah, is he? Oh. He blocked us. We didn't even oh. say anything bad about him. He just blocked us. But now we're gonna say stuff about him because he blocked us. See, um, now we got to make the, Brendan Rice and Makai Blackman blockers. So yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the main reason, the, the, just like the quick last thoughts I have on it, like is the, we can do like it's crazy that we can do this. We can have four players of the game. I can't remember watching a CU win ever where you're like, wow, four players played well. Yeah, like it's usually just like it's Lavisca <laughs> Chenault, season. it's Steven Montez, it's gonna be one guy. Like you could legit, you could yeah, Philip Lindsay. You could legitimately have a strong case for any person we argued, or like X. You could have like you could have four or five players that you could argue were the best player in this game, and I. It just like speaks to how, like the how the talent is so much deeper than it's been in previous years, where we might have had one guy who's pretty good, but once the teams can focus on one guy, you can't. It's much harder to focus your attention on four or five, six great, great players. It's it's incredible. Also, yeah. another big shout out to Marvin Ham, another returning guy, led the team in tackles along with Shiloh with ten tackles. It's just I love seeing those guys that took the Louis luggage speech personally and you know busted their tail and came back strong, and are are showing up and showing out this year. I I love to see that too. One hundred percent. So with that being said, uh, well let's let's move on to to this coming week's game. And talk about apparently Colorado's number one fan, uh, Matt Rule, who has decided that Colorado is a top 10 team in the country. We agree, for the record. We, we're huge fans of that comment. Um, I have to go ahead and say that I'm probably going to say some absolutely out-of-pocket things because I hate, and I'm sure everyone else on this podcast, and probably anyone who cares enough to listen to a podcast like this, uh, I, I, I think they're just soulless horrible you know we had to kick jake off just for this episode because we didn't want to hurt his feelings right so with that being said nebraska week uh nebraska hate week uh you know they frankly they look terrible right so just previewing the game i think they look like one of the worst teams they're definitely one of the worst teams in the big 10 when northwestern exists they're probably not the worst team in the big 10 but i i didn't see anything in that minnesota game that gives me any pause Um, i think their quarterback is decent on the ground uh, but is if he's allowed to throw the ball, I wouldn't let him throw the ball, period, against our secondary. But if he throws the ball, I think there's a 50-50 chance it's, it's an interception. So uh, that being said, Sam, Sreyas, Topher, what are our thoughts on on uh, the evil corn? Sam frozen? Yeah, I think Sam's frozen. All right, so I, I guess I'll go. Um I would I would agree. I only watched like the the fourth quarter of that uh, Nebraska game against Minnesota, so I'm not super super up to speed on on what their strengths are. But it did look like they their defense played pretty well, and it did also kind of look like like they 
choked that game away where they kind of had a very good opportunity to to really put the foot down and take the lead and just never could get over the hump. Uh, it looks like they have quarterback issues, which is going to be a major issue against our secondary as long as we can force him to throw the ball. He is Jeff Sims is very athletic. He did come from a triple option offense in Georgia Tech, so we know that he can he can run the ball and he knows he knows what he's doing when it comes to 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 running that kind of offense if Nebraska chooses to use him in that way. But one thing that is scary here, of course, is we need to see better front seven defense, and it. If they do choose to run the ball in that way, we may be playing more into their strengths. So that's just something to watch. I'm hopeful that we we find a way to to make it happen. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that TCU is better than where where everyone thinks they are. I, I see people dogging TCU like, oh, that was TCU got way worse. They're so bad. I I think. I could be wrong, but that looked like a pretty good TCU team to me, and it just looked like they got outskilled by our offense, like their defense got outskilled by our offense, and their offense just couldn't just couldn't quite do enough, and they didn't step up at the end of the game when they had the opportunity. So I, I definitely feel good about my pick from preseason for CU to, to beat Nebraska, but those and then along with the special teams, the, that's that's going to be the key to the game is those critical matchups. Go for what do you think? Well, um, I think that Colorado should be licking our chops right now. Um, I'm unbelievably unimpressed with Jeff Sims. Um, he had three interceptions. Their only touchdown came from a broken play. Uh, it, their offense looks anemic. Yes, they're going to run the ball. Their O line is massive. Just massive. So I expect us to play a lot more cover three, cover one and load the box, um, try to counter this. But the moment we stop the run, the moment they stall out are one or two drives and Jeff Sims has to become a thrower. Um, Nebraska is going to be in trouble because the, the thing that he has a lot of trouble with is identifying um, zones post snap when the pre-snap and the post snap don't look the same. He doesn't care. He throws it anyways. Um, and that's what caused all three of his picks. So um, being that we, I mentioned how we disguised our uh, disguised our coverages and that led to picks against, I think a much more talented quarterback. Um, I, I expect there to be a pick six this Saturday. Um, the other things that I want to point out um, is Shador is excellent at reading the pre-snap. Um, every time you, you can see during the broadcast um, if they if they show something if they show blitz he checks out of something immediately and he just takes exactly what the defense gives him. So Sean Lewis is an artist and this offense is elite at taking what the defense gives it. Um, and when you have uh, people like Dylan Edwards that can create that matchup nightwear the way that he does because of his speed, it, it, there's just no linebacker in the country that's fast enough to keep up with him. Um, so I do, even though that, uh, I, I think that Nebraska's defense is talented, they do not have the speed and they do not have the talent to match up with the weapons and they cannot play man because the moment they play man, they are going to get exposed. Someone is going to be open. Um, so I, I, I'm really expecting our offense to have a heyday and defense to get a few stops. And that's all it's going to take for it to be a domino compounding effect. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. The only thing I'm I'm just worried about the run game. If like if TCU would have stuck to the run, I think it could have been a whole different game for CU. Um, luckily, they have Kendall Bryles, who's not really known for making the most rational decisions either in his <laughs> life or in football plays. Because um, they they could they could get whatever they want when they ran and they decided to throw it. And especially with the new rules in college football um, regarding the clock not stopping after first downs anymore. Like if they can keep it on the ground, they can make this a very, very short game possession wise and kind of neutralize the high tempo, fast paced offense that CU has. And I also expect the Nebraska defense to probably take away those easy short throws that really got Shadur Sanders into his rhythm or at least try to take them away. Not that Shadur will struggle with that, but I think we'll be seeing a very different defensive approach because at the beginning of the TCU game, we saw like the, the corners on TCU giving like the CU wide receivers like 10 yards of like a cushion and Jerry mm-hmm. Sanders are just exploiting it, exploiting that. So I think maybe after a week of film that might not be available at the beginning of the game, it might try to dare them to beat them downfield, which I know the C receivers can, but it'll just be interesting to see the second week of the Sean Lewis offense, kind of how he adapts to having his own film being out there and what new wrinkles he has. And if we can stop them from running the ball, because if we can score early and fast, I think it will be over quickly. Yeah, I agree. I think the the other component, right, is in what people and honestly what we should have mentioned earlier is you know, part of the reason you can't be rushing the quarterback every every down and you know, really pushing it on defense is the downside of the high high tempo offense, right, is that your defense is not off the field resting as much because you're either scoring quickly or you are getting free and outs. Like that's kind of the nature of that kind of, you know, high speed high tempo offense. And so it's going to be really tough to be defending the run pretty much the whole game. I, I'd be shocked if Nebraska's not running 75% of the time in this game, maybe more. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of what hurts is that your defense is going to be gassed. Um, you know, to our advantage, right, they have to come up to Boulder and play at the altitude. And I really don't think – I think, you know, it's been, we've we've witnessed that we were all there at all the games, right? Nebraska travels well when they were in Folsom last time when we were there. They had, if we're being honest – probably more than 50% of the stadium was red, right? Or, or, or thereabouts. I really don't think that's going to happen this game. I genuinely, no truly think, I genuinely, truly think it's going to be at least 75% Colorado fans. So I don't think there's, I, I think we're going to have a home home at, um, advantage. I think the altitude advantage is going to be nice. And just one, one quick thing I want to point out about that Minnesota game, right? So Nebraska's only score, everyone talks about the broken play, which was a 34 yard pass, which should have been, I don't, I don't even know what it should have been. It, sh- it should have been a loss or, or, or maybe an interception. I don't know. It was it was horrible play. But what people are also forgetting to mention is the only reason Nebraska was even on the other half of the Minnesota um, you know field is that they had a kickoff return for sixty three yards. Now we have been talking about how you know special teams is going to hurt us, but it's not like Nebraska's offense did anything to get there. Right. The only way they scored their touchdown was the world's worst play. If you guys haven't seen it, please go online and watch the Twitter highlight to understand like how god awful this play is. Otherwise, we're looking at punt, punt, punt fumble, interception, 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 punt. Like, you know, they, they were horrible. I mean, their offense is awful. I don't think Minnesota is exactly the world-class. I think Minnesota has a great defense, or at least good defense. I don't think they're the best defense in the Big Ten by any stretch, right? So it's not like they were playing Iowa's defense, for example, right, or Michigan's defense. So I'm just not afraid. I just don't – I don't see how Nebraska scores. I agree with Sam. I think the only way they win this game and, and beat us – is by running the ball and controlling the possessions and, and forcing Colorado to make mistakes. And maybe they do, but all I'm saying is 
it, it, first of all, I've never seen a line, I don't think, without like really like injuries or anything happening where it went from Nebraska being favored by, I think, nine points or eight points to Colorado being a three-point favorite. Like that that swing is insane, right? Like that, that just doesn't happen. Um, and so, but I still love it. I, Colorado minus two and a half. I just don't see how this Nebraska offense keeps up with the pace. So unless they absolutely shut us down, um, you know, there's just no way that they're they're going to be able to stay in this game. And I think not only do we win, I think we cover easily. And I, I'm all over that. Um, Sam, you yeah. said you had a quick. Yeah, I think I, I saw something on Twitter that said like, there's been more money bet on CU than any spread in the NFL combined. Like it's like that most heavily bet spread of like recent memory. I think I can look it up. I can I can I can retweet it for anybody listening. But it, it's like crazy the belief that this win has inspired and how people watch this god awful Nebraska team against Minnesota. We're we're witnessing history, right? No matter what happens the rest of the season, we're witnessing something that people are going to write books about. This is it. it it's just absurd. I, I can't remember another sporting event, like extended sporting era, really, that I've been an active fan of. Other than Jokic, like the Jokic era with the Nuggets, that's going to be talked about. Rock-to- for, Rocktober. But so Rocktober is. I don't think that's widely recognized outside of outside of Denver. Like for me until that TCU game being at the wildcard tiebreaker in 2007 was probably the number one sports event I've ever been to. Right. With the whole circumstances of that, but this is national, right? This is national. This is something that the lay person sitting in some random corner of this country that maybe wasn't even paying attention to sports might be hearing about it's and it's borderline starting to bleed into like, political sphere with some of the discussions that are being had it's getting it's getting really toxic which is fun to be honest with you it's really fun because we're just living in history right now and it's uh it's it's just it's wild to think about 20 years from now there's going to be so much discussion about this era in college football and Dion, coach prime and this bus team is going to be front but before I get too far off topic and before we move on to the next topic, I do want to say, uh, follow up on the commentary on Nebraska here and say, yes, as I said, I do agree that we should win. But I think a big key to this game is to come out and punch them in the mouth. So this is just like when you play a triple option team. And I've mentioned Georgia Tech last year, we played Air Force. Everyone knows how that went um, with a triple option team or any option team in general you have to come out swinging and score first because, well, why did TCU start passing the ball at the end of the game? It's not necessarily that they lost faith in the running game. It's that it is strategically advantageous to throw the ball when you're down really late in the game. It's just strategically advantage to do that because if you run the ball and you start running out of time, then it's really hard to consistently run the ball around the offensive line to the left or to the right and get out of bounds and get significant chunk plays. So that's why they started passing the ball. And that Charles Kelly defense really took advantage of that. And they stepped up to the plate and they did a great job. So similarly in this game, the buffs are really going to have to try to put Nebraska behind the eight ball early as much as they possibly can in order to force them into feeling like they have to start throwing the ball and get them out of their comfort zone. Um, I'm expecting that to happen too. So fingers crossed. 
Yeah, 100%. And, and one thing we didn't mention, maybe we should have mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast tonight, is Colorado, by the way, is ranked 22 in the AP poll, 25 in the coaches poll. Um, I think even our most optimistic, uh, even Jake, who believed in us in winning this game, uh, would not have guessed that we we would have been ranked at, at, the, at the end of week one. That's just incomprehensible. Like, if you think about how you felt, if everyone, like this thing, thinks back about how you felt after the Utah game last year, if I had told you that we would be ranked after week one, you, like, you just wouldn't have believed me. I wouldn't have believed me, right? Like, even if I came back and was talking to myself, like, I, I just wouldn't believe it. Um, I would have so, eaten my anyway, foot. That being, yeah, I would have <laughs> eaten my foot. Um, so with that being said, uh, we'll go ahead and do our score predictions for the Nebraska game. So Vegas has Colorado now as a minus three um, favorite, as we've mentioned, with the over under at 59 and a half, which has a essentially an implied um, prediction of Colorado 31, Nebraska 28. Um, I'll just very quickly give my prediction. I think that over is way too high. I think that is insanely high unless Colorado is doing it by itself. I just don't think Nebraska's offense is built to to cover an over like that, particularly with the new rules like we were like we were mentioning. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give my prediction. I think it's going to be Colorado 28, Nebraska. I'll give them. Uh, I'll give them 17. Or you know, I think they'll probably kick more field goals than they score touchdowns. But um, I I think Colorado covers. I think it's going to go under. Um, Topher. Uh, yeah, I have uh, Colorado on a blowout here. Um, I'm going Colorado 42, uh, Nebraska 21. Yeah, 21 point victory. Um, yeah, yeah, I I undersold the buffs too much last week, and I felt really, really bad about it. So for my prediction, I'm going to go with a very nice score of 69 for CU and 13 for Nebraska. <laughs> that is nice. Wow. What a coincidence. <laughs> so I, I, I agree with, with you guys, though. Um, I do think it's we should blow them out based on what I saw in week one. And I'm also going to make a uh, assumption, and this could be wrong, hopefully. It's not wrong, but that our defense is going to have figured out how to stop the run, especially with what looks like a potentially super one-dimensional offense. So I'm going 38-13 buffs. Awesome. Well, that's going to do it. Um, Sam's busy trying to figure out how team can score 69 points. I'll just eight, go ahead touch, and tell eight, them it's, uh, eight touchdowns, two field goals. Or That's... 10 touchdowns and just miss an uh, extra point. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you guys want to give us your score predictions, um, we'll be doing a tweet or, I guess, an X or whatever they're called these days um, about that as well. Um, so please give us your score prediction. Uh, we'll also be at the game. So if any of you guys um, you know want to meet up, hit us up. Uh, we'll probably do a immediate reaction um, after the game, we'll all be in, in Boulder um, around Folsom Field, though, so who knows what the phone coverage will be like, um, as you guys are all aware. So that being said, please give us reviews. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, go ahead and hop and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, um, YouTube, which we're trying to build up right now, um, if you're interested. But that being said, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, Skill Buffs can't wait to be absolutely eviscerating Nebraska. Go Buffs! Let's go! Let's go, go Buffs! buffs.